when you have taken time to identify how awesome he is, how great, majestic, majesty, all of these adjectives that we have sung in the songs that were chosen today. It ought to be very easy to then desire his voice to speak into our life. And that's what the preaching does. It's our way of giving God a chance to talk. We may not hear his voice verbally. I haven't had him write on the wall as he did in Daniel's time. I've not had him reach down into the dirt and write messages to me. I have something far greater. I have his word. The unadulterated, unchanged word of God, one of the greatest miracles of all is the fact that his word is still true and still speaks after centuries upon centuries of of pulling it all together. You think about all the different authors that came together. The Bible says each word was breathed on by God. Man had a hand in pinning the Bible, but it is the divine word of God. And I'm so glad that you're here. Have you ever had your mom or your dad, and I'm thinking back when you were a child or a, or a teenager, have you ever not really listened and, and your mom or dad had to repeat themselves? And sometimes they get really quiet when they repeat, and that's when you're scared because you know nuclear winter is about to occur. When the Bible speaks of something multiple times, we ought to listen, especially when it's in the Old Testament and the New, and so... I want to invite you to turn with me to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. I know you may not remember all these. Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. And Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. I think you're going to find a very, very clear word that I'm pretty confident we better listen to it. There might be something to this if it's going to show up in three different Book, or, or, or uh, uh, four different books of the Bible, three different authors, three different t- uh, people uh, wrote what what is said. But it's again, it's all the voice of God. Habakkuk chapter two verse four, and I'm kind of pulling, I think, from the, just the end part of it. It says, "But the just shall live by faith." That's Old Testament. Romans chapter one verse seventeen says, "For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith." As it is written, where was it written? Written in Habakkuk. The just shall live by faith. The writer of Romans, which was Paul, wrote another book of the Bible called Galatians. And he wrote this, that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. Are you picking up a a, a common denominator? And then the writer of Hebrews wrote this in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, and if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Just shall live by faith. Faith is important in your walk with God. Faith is important in in your continuing to grow in him. And I want to take you to the third altar found in the Word of God. We started a series a couple of Sundays ago, and and it's called The Altars. And the first one was, was the altar of Cain and Abel. And we talked about that, that it's the altar of first fruits. You better learn to give God the praise and the worship and even the tithes. You do that first. Don't, don't let God be a God, a God that just gets your leftovers. Give God him his part first in every aspect. Then uh, the, the next 
next one was the altar of, of Noah, the altar of thanksgiving and praise. And I want to take you to the third, the altar of Abraham, the place of testing and submission. Father, your word is so important to me. It's so, uh, I, I treasure it. It means so much. And I pray that you would let the word of God come forth. God, let it not be just words on a page. Let it not just be uh, something we've heard before. But God, minister, we pray. Speak to us, we pray. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Abraham's story is a phenomenal story that's there around the Genesis chapter 20, uh, around that area. You know that God had told Abraham who was there in the Ur of Chaldees and God had spoken to him. Abraham was a just man, a good man, a man that honored God even though he may not have known all the things of God. And God called Abraham out and he said, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave the life that you know. I'm going to call you out of a life of comfort and and you're going to have to start wandering. There's going to be a nomadic experience and and, and I'm going to lead you to a land that is going to be your land and your descendants will have that land for all of of, of this world's existence. And and Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And Abraham, I'm going to bless you. It's going to come from the fruit of your loins. It's going to be uh, uh, your children that I'm going to bless. And they're going to be my children. Abraham, I promise you this is going to happen. Abraham, as he progresses, he's getting up in age. And the biological clock is ticking very loudly. His wife cannot have children. And, and the assumption is that, that, that she's barren. That we've tried. Nothing's coming forth. Lord, is your promise really true? As you know, Abraham and, and Sarah, his wife, they, they got a little sideways with God's promises. And so they decided to manufacture the promise. And so enters Hagar, Sarah's uh, handmaiden. And, and, and Abraham and Hagar hook up. And, and a child is born. And I can feel that, that Abraham kind of thinks, see, I've done it. I've jump-started God's promise. But Ishmael was not to be the promise. It was a, a backdoor approach. It was man's attempt to do what God had. You can see all of the craziness that happens. All of the, the, the things, even today in the Middle East between the Jews and the Muslims, all of that goes back to uh, Isaac and Ishmael. But finally, God, and in Abraham, we, we find in the book of Hebrews and other places, uh, even though Abraham messed up and even though Abraham did things his own way, there, there was a sense of unwavering faith in Abraham. He always kept the promise of God tucked away in the back of his mind. And finally, when it seemed that that it was humanly impossible, which is, by the way, a great time for God to work, just in case you're wondering. God specializes when it seems impossible. God specializes when the storm rages. God specializes when you don't have the answer. And that's part of this altar is you need to come to the place where you can look yourself in the mirror, in the eyeballs and say, I don't have the answer. I have to depend on God. And so it is that Isaac is born and this is the promise and it feels right and it is right and it's exactly what God had in mind. And then one day, Genesis chapter 22 and verse 1, 
I, I won't read every verse word for word, but you can follow along with the story if you'd like. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. After Isaac has been born, after Isaac has been raised, and now he's most likely into his teenage years and maybe even late teenage years, the Bible says that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, he said, Behold, here I am. Lest we, we, we understand, just this is the King James way of speaking. We know in our study of James, and we'll come to it in a moment, just by way of reminding you what we've been learning on Wednesday nights, that God does not tempt people. This word here is, a, I think, an unfortunate way that the English language translates that. This is not a temptation, this is a trial. And I'll explain that in a moment for those of you that have not been here on Wednesday nights. There is a difference between temptations and trials. And God may give you a trial, but God's not going to tempt you. Temptation leads to sin. That's what the Bible says. When man is tempted, when he's drawn away of his own lusts and enticed, and when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. God is a God of life. But God begins to speak to Abraham and says, Abraham, and he says, here I am. And God says, I want you to take your son, your only son, I find that very interesting. Abraham had other sons, but not according to God. That wasn't God's sons. Ishmael was not, should never have been. Ishmael wasn't God's plan. And so God likes to just remind us of what his plan is. If God doesn't, if God doesn't identify things in your life, it might be because they're not of God. God just kind of doesn't give credence to things that came about wrongly. And so God says, take your only son Isaac whom you love and I want you to go to the land of Moriah and I want you to offer your son as a burnt offering on one of those mountains which I tell thee. Now, if you're like me, you've, you've wrestled with that. How can a God tell someone to go sacrifice their son? And, and I can't get in the mind of God. I can just know what God said. Abraham rises early in the morning and he saddles his animals. He gets his... his um, some young men to go with them, Isaac, his son. There's wood for the burnt offering, and they go. And Abraham goes to where God called them to go to. There, it took about three days. When after three days have passed, Abraham sees the place, and he said to the, the, the guys that are with them, his servants, he said, you stay here. Me and Isaac, we're going to go a little further where God has called us. We'll come back to you. I find it interesting that Abraham said, we're going to go and worship. I wonder how many of us, when God has given us a trial, how many of us, when we're faced with some hard things, do we actually call it worship? Or do we complain and cuss and get all bent out of shape? Abraham takes the wood and puts it on Isaac. Abraham puts the fire, which was a coal, maybe in a ram's horn or something, but it's a coal, and he, he hangs it on his belt, and there they go together. Abraham and Isaac are walking. Isaac says, hey, Dad, I, I, I know we're going to worship, and I'm carrying the wood. You've got the fire. But there's one other aspect of an offering I'm not usually, uh, you know, that we usually have, and I'm not seeing it, and that is where is the sacrifice? Where is the lamb? Where is the, the goat? Where is something that we're going to lay on there? And Abraham says, well, God will provide. They come to the place where God had told them on that mountain. Abraham builds an altar. Abraham lays the wood just right. 
And then Abraham takes his son, binds him, lays him on that altar, and he stretches forth his hand, the knife gleaming there. And Abraham was fully committed to do what God had asked. And he goes to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord, or God himself, calls out and says, Abraham, Abraham, stops and says, here I am. Don't don't do this. Don't kill him. I want you just to turn around. Because since you have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and since you were willing to put Isaac on the altar, since you were willing to put the one thing that meant the most in your life on top of the altar, then I want you to look behind you, for I have provided. And there a ram had his horns stuck in a thicket. And Abraham takes the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of Isaac. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. And said to this place that it's in the mount of the Lord shall it be seen. In faith, the Bible teaches you and I that we must live by faith. Can I tell you that if you're going to live for God, you are going to be tested of God. God is not interested in just letting everything be peaches and cream and and bed of roses. There is a testing and Abraham can show us through his life that he had plenty of tests. He was tested when he had to leave his family and step out into a new land. He was tested when that new land had a famine and he had to trust God and Abraham didn't. He tried to go to Egypt and And bad things happened. But when he finally got right and got back to that land, he had to pass the the test where God sent Abraham and Lot, if you will, up in the mountain and said, choose. And Lot chose the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham said, I'm going to choose these mountainous, these higher uh, pasture lands. Lot failed that test. Abraham passed it. Abraham had another test when he had to defeat the kings and rescue Lot. He had to pass a test when he could have had the fortunes of Sodom and all of the glory there, but he chose not. He had a fatherhood type test when he was tested to to let God provide the son. And he failed that one, unfortunately, with Hagar. But still, there was tests after test that happened. Again, let me just for, 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 for clarification's sake and to remind you, and, and I want you to be here Wednesday. We'll get back into the book of James, but there is a distinct difference between trials and temptations. Temptations come from the devil. Temptation comes from inside of us, our, our, that old nature, that flesh. And the temptation, it's coming so that, 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 that hopefully, and again, this is Satan's hopes, that temptation would lead us to sin and sin would lead us to be separated from God and the promises of God and sin would lead us to spiritual death. But testing, trials come from the Lord. If temptation, as we've mentioned, temptation is there to bring out the worst of who we are. But trials are designed to bring out the best in us. Temptations, in in an awful way, temptations seem logical. Temptations, man, that looks good, I ought to do that. And our our brains don't think about, our, our soul sometimes can't scream louder than our lust and so it seems like logical just to give in to temptations but trials 
they seem unreasonable. Trials, they kind of hem us in and trials get us all moving. And, and why in the world would God give Abraham a son and then ask him to kill it? It's because God was asking Abraham to pass a test. Let me tell you something that living for God, we talk about this new birth, this lit, this being born again. Jesus said, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. There is a new birth and that new birth leads to a life of, of maturity, a Christian life. There, you and I ought to be growing in God. I know I've been saying that a lot this year, but I, I hope you're catching it. You need to be farther along with God right now than the day you came down to an altar and received the gift of the Holy Ghost or were baptized in Jesus' name. If you've never had God's testing, it's probably because you've never gotten past the temptations. Do you notice in Lot's life, God never tested Lot because Lot couldn't get past the temptations. Lot never let himself overcome his flesh and his lusts and his desires for the world. He never reached the place of maturity where God would trust him in a trial. I wish you could catch this for uh, uh, what I'm saying today. God desires to have a person that is strong enough living for God that he can trust you in a trial. That he can trust you when things are coming and a test begins to happen. God will never send a test if he doesn't think you're ready to pass it. If you've not been tested, it's because you're not mature enough to even get past the temptations. But I want to talk to you today about learning to just quit trying to be saved. There's so many people that live their entire life just hoping they're going to be good enough to go to heaven. That's that childlike mentality. As a child, I just wanted to make it to heaven. I'd come to church and repent every time I had a chance because I knew I'd done something dumb and stupid and sinned. And I just wanted to get to heaven. I didn't even dream that there was life after salvation. But you know what, Brother Bob, the longer I'm alive and the older I get, the more I realize that he didn't just save me so I get to heaven. He saved me so that I can be an overcomer. He saved me for a purpose. He gave me a testimony. He gave me a way that I can reach and change the world I'm living in. Tests have come. It, it's... it's your, your faith is never tested. Uh, one, one writer wrote it this way. Your faith is never tested until God asks you to bear what seems unbearable, to do what seems unreasonable, and to expect what seems impossible. I could preach all day long just on that. Learn to bear the things that seem unreasonable. Learn to do or learn to bear what is unbearable. Learn to do what seems unreasonable. But in all of it, learn to expect the impossible. Whether it's Joseph in prison, whether it's Moses or Israel at the Red Sea or David in the cave or Jesus at Calvary, listen to me. You ought to live your life by the promises of God. You ought to live your life not because you know everything, but just understand. Stand greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And if God loved you enough to die on the cross, if God loved you enough to come down and become like you, if God loved you enough to do all of that, God loves you enough to help you through life. He didn't save you just to leave you hanging. You live by promises, not by expectations. The altar of Abraham, that altar of submission, is, is, is it doesn't make a lot of sense to you and I. 
uh, we don't like to submit. We don't like to, to be under something. We naturally bow up. We naturally uh, uh, square our shoulders and dare, dare somebody to tell you what to do. You know, have you ever noticed that when a trial comes, I'm not talking about temptation, I'm talking about trial. We always want to ask why. Why, Lord? Why, Lord? Why me? Facebook is good at this. Why me? Why me? Trials come and immediately we want God to explain. Immediately we want God to come down and sit across from our, our kitchen table and lay it out and say, well, Brandon, this is what's going to happen. Everything's going to be fine. Just hang tight. But God doesn't operate like that. God is looking for someone who is willing to say, Lord, you're mighty and Lord, you're awesome. And while I don't understand it, while I cannot comprehend it, I'm not God, and so I'm not going to even ask why. I'm just going to find that altar, and I'll do what you ask me to do. It is so incredible. It is so awesome that Abraham never questioned God in all of this. If you don't think that's powerful, then let me help you out. Brother uh, Jeremy, God wakes you up in the middle of the night and says, take uh, uh, Jude, go put him on the mountain, sacrifice him. All right, God. Take Brian, bring him up to the mountain, sacrifice him. Sure thing, God. You tell me right now that you think you could stand in that and never have a question? If God looked at me and said, I need you to take Zane, I need you to put him on the altar, I need you to sacrifice him. The flesh in me is going to have to start asking questions. Watch this. Faith in God doesn't mean your brain don't try to ask questions. I know Abraham had questions. I know Abraham started trying to figure out how this fits in the plan of God. He's human, but I love his response. His response was, self, shut up. My God's speaking to me. And Abraham never asked one question. He rose up early in the morning. He saddled it up. He put the, the, the young men with him. He got the wood. He got the fire. And he did it because Abraham was acting in faith. He knew that God had promised him a son. He had knew that God had promised to make him a great nation. Ishmael was already gone. Ishmael had already left the house. So Ishmael's not the son of the promise. This is how incredible Abraham's faith was. God, if Isaac dies on the top of that mountain, your promise doesn't die. Somehow, some way, some shape, some form, if I have to kill him on the top of the mountain, you're still going to do what you promised. Because faith doesn't demand explanation. Faith rests on promises. It's that Nike slogan. Just do it. Just do it. No excuses. No stipulations. Just submit and build the altar. There's two statements that Abraham made in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 6. I'm sorry, verse 8. And then later he made that same statement in, in 22 
uh, chapter 22, verse 14. First off, before it all went down, before he even built the altar, he said, God will provide. Isaac, I don't understand it. In fact, I can't even tell you everything, Isaac, because I'm afraid you're going to run down the mountain and I'm going to have to chase you and I'm too old to chase you. So I'm going to kind of keep some things just in my heart, but I know what's coming, but the Lord will provide. And then later on in verse 14, he said it's Jehovah Jireh. And one way that you can translate Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah, Jehovah, that's 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 the name of God, if you will. Jehovah, that was that that old testament revelation. I am that I am. But they add a, 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 a not a disclaimer, but they add an extra thing to it. The Lord will see to it. The Lord will provide. Abraham was confident that no matter what happens, God will meet my need. He couldn't depend on his feelings because I promise you every step that Abraham took burned in his heart. Everything that he did, he, he wouldn't let Isaac see it, but tears would roll down his face. He, he couldn't, uh, 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 he, he contemplated, how does this go? What's going to happen? How, how am I going to go through it? He loved his son, but he had heard God. Faith can't depend on feelings. In fact, feeling sometimes is a, is a horrible way to live. Because feelings, you just have to react. Feelings are reactionary. But faith is intentional. You know what I love about this service today? We walked into church and it just felt like you came to be intentional. I've been to church services and there's nothing wrong with this, uh, Brother Matt. But I've been to church services where I didn't feel like praising but they sang just the right song or, or it was just the right thing and, and pretty soon I'm kind of bouncing and my hands are clapping and later on I felt like praising and so I did. I've been to services like that. But I like it when the church of God just comes and they don't even know what songs are going to be sung but there's an intentionality that says I'm just here because I'm going to give him glory and, and, and I may not feel like it and I may not want to and life may not show itself all great and, and I may have a lot of problems and I may have pain and I may have hurt but God is God and he's majestic and he's awesome and he's mighty and he's powerful and so I'm going to just give him praise because of who he is. Abraham couldn't depend on his feelings for this. Abraham couldn't depend on others for this sacrifice. How do you think that conversation would have gone? Hey, uh, darling, I'm going to borrow Zane today. He's, uh, he's not going to come back. I'm going to kill him up there on top of the mountain. You all right with that? I know Sarah had a lot of faith and sister has a lot of faith but I promise you mama bear would have rose up and, and they would have been saying now wait a second I love God but let's have us a prayer meeting let's have a 40 day fast and let's make sure this is really what God has in mind and by the way by the time you get to the 40 day fast me and the boy are going to be gone am I right he couldn't depend on others he couldn't Sarah was back at home the two servants that he brought, they were back at the camp. 
It was going to be between him and God. And I do, listen to me, I thank God for friends and family. And many of you have walked with Sister Buford and I over the past nine years and you've carried some of our burdens and you've been there. But let me tell you, there's some things you're going to have to walk alone by yourself. There's some things that nobody else may ever understand and you're just going to have to say, God, it's you and I. I don't understand it. I can't comprehend it. But you called me to a mountain and you call me to build an altar and I'm going to do that. There was only one thing that Abraham could depend on and that was the promise of God. God had said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Abraham, in fact, it's interesting that that, uh, the book of Romans chapter 4, it's New Testament, but it's talking about uh, uh, Abraham, it said that Abraham, that, that he just knew that God could raise Isaac from the dead. Which is very interesting because as far as I can tell, up to that point, God had never risen anyone, rose anyone from the grave. Now later on we find some people coming back from the dead, but, but Abraham, Abraham had no visible or, or knowledge that God could raise anyone from the dead. That was faith. That God is a God that can create. The Bible says, I, I love the way that the word of God, Romans chapter 4 and verse 18, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation because I like what it says. And, and this is what the Bible says referring back to Abraham. It says that even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing he would become the father of many nations. He never wavered. Even when there was no tangible evidence, it was there. And when your trial comes, and when the situation seems hopeless, I want you just to start asking yourself, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Abraham had even said those words. I I, I quote that from words that Abraham said. Abraham, he said it back in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14. And this is before Isaac was born. He said, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee. And according to the time of life, Sarah shall have a son. And Abraham held on to that promise. Nothing's too hard. Nothing's too hard. And when Abraham got on the top of that mountain, And with trembling hands, he took rocks and he built an altar. And he carefully laid out the wood just right. And he laid his son on the altar. He got everything ready. He realized something. He realized a timeless truth that I want to get to you today. If you'll learn to submit your life to God every aspect that even when the trials come God is with you I am of the opinion that God did not snap his fingers and and just poof a ram was right there I believe and and I know that I I may not be able to prove this exactly in the Bible brother Steve but this is just kind of how I believe when God woke up Abraham a couple days ago and said, I need you to get up, take your son, and go to Mount Moriah. God woke up a ram 
on the other side of a, of a wilderness. And God told that ram, said, I need you just to kind of take time and I need you to feed up this mountain. And, and, and at, a, at a certain point, I, you're going to see something in a bush that you really, 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 really want to eat. And I want you just to stick your head in that bush. And I want you to stick it as far as you can in that bush, trying to get that one green leaf that looks so good. And then when you try to pull your head back out and you're stuck, which by the way happens all the time. I'm a deer hunter and there's stories every year that come out. People find a deer because, you know, deer, one of the things they like to do during a rut is they, they like to take their antlers and scrape them on trees and they make these things called rubs that get us deer hunters really excited. And the more that tree is scraped, the bigger that deer has to be. At least that's what I tell myself. But every year, deer will get their heads stuck in a tree and they'll starve to death or the coyotes will get them. It's happened. But God told that ram, said, I want you to stick your head in that tree. But then I don't want you to fight. I want you to just trust. You're there for a reason. You may not know what the trial is in your life. You may not know the outcome, but God does. And God has already orchestrated the end before you even started. I don't think you understood that. God has already orchestrated the end before you even woke up and knew there was something you needed to do. I don't know what it is yet. I wish I could stand here today and tell you that everything's going to be okay. I wish I could lay it all out and say this is how it's going to be, but I don't have that kind of answer. But this I have. I know a God. I know a God. And Abraham in all of this, let that trial bring out the glory to the Lord. I want you just to close your eyes. I'm almost done. And I want you just to ask the Lord, say, Lord, I've heard all this message, but now I need you to speak to me right now in the precious name of Jesus. Father, I'm convinced that people have come here today and they're not here just to hear a message. They're not here just to hear the, the third part of a, of a series. But God, they need this right now. I ask that you would move on them. God, we're about to wrap this up and you're going to speak now to individuals. Let your will be done, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Isaac looks there and there's a ram. I mean, I mean, Abraham looks and there's a ram. and He quickly gets his son off the altar and they slay the ram and they put it there. And that altar of submission that thing that was so valuable becomes a living sacrifice. Isaac, God, or, or, or Abraham was willing to give Isaac back to the Lord. And God gave Isaac back to Abraham. That's the beauty of that altar of submission. That what you think you're giving away God really is just testing to see if you're willing to give. And if you are, with no strings attached, so many times God has a way of, of whatever comes after that being better. The, there's a, it used to be called the China Inland Mission. It's now, I think, called the Overseas Missionary Fellowship. But the founder of it, J. Hudson Taylor, they, they say in his home 
hung a plaque with two Hebrew words on it. The first word was Ebenezer. The second, Jehovah Jireh. Ebenezer in, in Hebrew means hitherto hath the Lord helped us. For those of you that don't speak Old English, it means up till now the Lord has helped us. Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will see to it. The Lord will provide. And Hudson understood this and while I don't necessarily say you got to go put a plaque in your home, you need to spiritually hang this in your life. That whether you look back or whether you look forward, God's at work and you have nothing to fear. Let me say that again. Ebenezer, Jehovah Jireh. Whether you look back in your life, you need to see God's hand in all of the trials and everything. God was at work and God helped you. And as you look ahead, you can say the Lord will provide. Abraham left that altar of submission and he was changed. From that day forth, it was totally different. I'm convinced it was the same thing that Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. And I want to ask you to stand. Paul prayed for the Ephesians church and I think it's, it's what the altar of submission really is all about. That altar of sacrifice, it's, Paul said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named. And I pray that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you may being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ that passeth knowledge that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus through all the ages a world without end Amen. That altar of submission, when you step forth and that trial has happened, you walk with a fresh understanding and you're able to see how deep His love is for you, how wide His love is for you, how far His love reaches, and you realize He's never forsaken me. He's never left me. He's there. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt right now the Lord has spoken to hearts in this place. And I want to open these altars. And I want to encourage you to just take a step out. This is not a time no one necessarily has to come and pray for you. It's a prayer that you pray on your own. But I want you just to come and step out. And I want you to begin to find that altar of submission. There's some things God...